Hello and welcome to the show, Unbossed. We are so glad that you are here. I am Nina Turner and in the co-host chair, we have the one and only Jackson White. Jackson, how you doing? Rebel HQ contributor, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing well, I'm doing really good. I'm uh, really looking forward to the presidential election kicking off You know, more and more. People are coming out, you know, starting to make their comments and uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. But just in general, I'm absolutely looking forward to uh, the presidential election just because it's gonna be filled with opportunities for progressives to just make stuff happen. You know what I'm saying? So let's do it. Yeah, let's take advantage of those opportunities. Never let a good crisis go to waste, Jackson. And nope. we seeing some crisis climaxing right now, well before the 2024 uh, even gets here. But here we are. So Jackson and I will be continuing our conversation and our coverage. Unbossed will continue its coverage about the train derailment and talk about areas in Pennsylvania that have been impacted by this as well as East Palestine, Ohio. Then Trump and Nikki Haley go at it, sort of, kind of. He challenged her to a duel of sorts. We will talk about that. And later in the show, Hannity hops on board with Marjorie Taylor Greene's Civil War calls. I'm just gonna warn you, viewer warning. I will be sighing a lot today and probably have the fire extinguisher out several times before this show is over. But let's start in the great state of Ohio, East Palestine. And also we're gonna throw in a little Pennsylvania into that too. We're gonna talk about those areas and how they have been impacted. The people of East Palestine and Western Pennsylvania continue to suffer. Mothers, fathers, and children of these areas are feeling the impact. Listen to what one East Palestine, Ohio resident said. About 24 hours after we came home, my one year old got very, very hoarse. Um, I ended up scheduling a pediatrician appointment. appointment. They're breaking out with rashes and taking them to the doctors. They're telling me, well, they have eczema and they have croup because uh, we can't diagnose them with chemical burns. We can't diagnose them with chemical burns of the lungs because almost after three weeks, they're still waiting on guidance from the Ohio Department of Health. How long is it going to take? Are, are one of my children going to have to drop dead before they get guidance? Candace DeSanzo is absolutely right. That question is very profound, what she just asked. And thanks to Stannis Koo for this coverage. What are they, what, what is necessary? Is one of my children gonna have to drop dead for them to be able to diagnose? She is right on the money. And I can guarantee you from my visit there yesterday and all the other reporting that is coming out from various news outlets, particular shout out to independent media, a lot of other parents and residents of East Palestine, they're asking the same questions. She continued on and said something even more horrifying. I mean, I'm showering in the water and every time I get a shower for two hours, it's like my body is on fire. Why have I never experienced that for the 44 years that I've lived in East Palestine up until this happened? And they're saying it's safe, but if it's safe, it is not a coincidence that you know all of these residents are having the same symptoms, the same things happening to them and they want us to believe that. She is absolutely right. This is not a coincidence. And the they she is referring to is government, Norfolk Sutherland, 
and state and federal level government. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I, when I was there too, like there was something different about that air. I even felt a little tickle in my throat and I was not there even for that long of a time. Imagine the fact that these residents have to live through this. And now we're 19 approaching 20 days in and they still don't have the answers that they need, nor do they have the medical attention that they need. Crystal Ball brought up a remedy on her Twitter that I want us to explore. And certainly all the elected officials that claim to care about the residents of East Palestine and what may be impacting our sisters and brothers and family and friends in Western Pennsylvania should take this into consideration. A provision in Obamacare allows residents in areas deemed a public health disaster to be covered by Medicare for life. At the very least, East Palestine residents deserve this universal coverage after being exposed to a known carcinogen. And I totally agree with Crystal Ball on that. And the same designation may be necessary for the folks of Western Pennsylvania. Jackson, your thoughts on what is happening there thus far and what Candace had to say about what her and her family are enduring in this moment. Well, first and foremost, we live in the United States, the wealthiest country, the wealthiest nation in the history of civilization. And things like this are just flat out unacceptable. Um, you know, this goes to show beyond anything else the importance of a well equipped and well regulated government, because this is what government is supposed to do. It's supposed to keep these types of things from happening. You know, obviously, there's a little bit too much of anything is bad. But to take opportunities like this to just be like, what was uh, Republicans on some outlets were saying, like, oh, you know, about, uh, rather uh, Biden doesn't like white people or the woke left doesn't like white people. And then you continue to see arguments about, like, you know, what the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau that gave $13 billion back to people. We can't have that. That's too much government oversight. But those are the things that government are supposed to do keep people from getting screwed over from giant um, institutions and to keep uh, factories. And any type of um, commodities, institutions, whatever, from you know poisoning people. That's really the bare minimum. Um, so this, first and foremost, is an opportunity for accountability across the board. Um, you know, and uh, if they, if there, if there was never a wake-up call, then this is definitely it. This is it, Jackson. And we've been having several of these. So it's East Palestine, it's Western Pennsylvania, it's Flint, Michigan, it's Jackson, Mississippi. You name it. These types of crises have been cropping up in this country for far too long. And when something of this magnitude happens, it really is a call for all levels of government to be engaged, to be engaged to help people's short term needs, to address their short term needs, and then to look into the future. And Jackson, your point about this is what government is supposed to do just reminded me, you know what? Let's just go ahead and remind folks about what the United States Constitution, the preamble says, because that answers what you just said, Jackson, about this is government's job to step in here because of the magnitude of this and because of the rail company that is culpable for this. The federal government in particular has the biggest stick on this, but this is the preamble, we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union established justice ensure domestic tranquility. Now that's that's bolded, underlined, and underscore. Establish, domestic, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, 
Okay, so let's stick with the general welfare and ensure tranquility. That's it. Now I can go on, but those are the major points. And that is what should be happening right now for the residents of East Palestine and also the folks in Western Pennsylvania and anybody else that is impacted on this type of magnitude. But that is not happening. So for all the Republicans and Democrats, but I'm looking at you side eyed and you Republicans because you're using this event in a very nefarious way. If you truly care about these residents, the way that you claim that you care about these residents, then you better be all about what Crystal just put, just made us aware of that there's a provision in, in Obamacare and whatever designation needs to happen so that these people can get lifetime Medicare benefits, then let's have at it. Let's do it. JD Vance, I'm looking at you, bruh. Dude, because I can't call you bruh. Dude, I'm looking at you because you was up at, in East Palestine with President Trump today. I'm looking at you because you've been talking a whole lot of smack and all the other Fox hosts talking a whole bunch of smack. So let's get up on this provision in Obamacare. Let's see how much you really do care for these residents who have been impacted. But meanwhile, so all of this is going on. Meanwhile, the Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who should have been on top of this from day one, 18 minutes instead of 18 days, he was questioned about his handling of all this, not in a controlled environment. Take a look at this. What do you have to say to the folks in Ohio, East Palestine, who are suffering right now? Well, I'd refer you to about a dozen interviews I've given today, and uh, if you'd like to arrange a conversation, uh, make sure to reach out to our press office. I can have that conversation with you. Just you don't down have the a message here. for them? I do, and I shared it with the press many times today. I'd refer you to those comments. Are you going down there? <clears throat> What's up? Are you going down there at all? Um, yep, yeah, I am. When are you going? Uh, I'll share that uh, when I'm ready. Okay, I'll talk thank you. Can I, get a, can I get a photo? Yeah. Just in case you didn't hear what Secretary Mayor Pete Buttigieg asked this reporter, he asked her, could he get her picture? That is definitely out of order. A bureaucrat or an elected official should not ask a reporter that in that way. That is pretty threatening. Now, look, I'm no fan of the day the caller whatsoever, not at all. But this has nothing to do with whether or not I am a fan or he is a fan. He probably ain't a fan of the day the caller. And hell, I don't blame him. But this is a reporter, Jeannie Taylor, asking him about his response to the crisis. And that is what reporters do. And quite frankly, when you are in the public limelight as either a bureaucrat or currently elected official, you got to answer to the public. And look, she was very respectful. He might not have liked the questions. It may have been an inopportune time, but I've seen reporters be much like rude. And this reporter was not rude. She just simply said, hey, you're going down there. When you going down there? Him having an excuse about he on private time. No. You, you don't have private time. And then especially when something like this is happening, he knows good and daggone well the reporter's gonna be lurking. Like my three-year-old knows that. My three-year-old grandson, he knows that. Okay, because he's extraordinarily brilliant. And this grown A man who knows that this is happening and that it is in the national limelight for good reason is acting like he's surprised that a reporter asked him some questions. And I've seen people be ambushed. This wasn't even an ambush. She just simply asked when 
you know, I, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll let you know when and I didn't answer this. She said, are you going to answer this for this, this, our, us, our outlet? That was a fair question. Again, he might not have liked it. It may have been an inopportune time for him. I will give him that much. But baby, yawn. He, Jackson, the man act like he don't know he's on. He was so pompous about the whole thing too. Well, I mean, he he was acting like a man who don't be doing nothing all day at the job. You know what I'm saying? Like he like he don't really like he just kind of there, and you know his staff kind of handles whatever those matters are um, according to protocol, according to whatever the manual says. Um, But you know, at the end of the day, Buttigieg got that job for helping Joe Biden cross the finish line. So it's not like he's like always been ambitious to do that. You know, it's just an opportunity that he got. And he absolutely has future presidential ambitions. So he's going to have to think about these types of things better because I, I won't say that someone like Pete Buttigieg can't become president in America. But if he wants to, especially moving forward, he's going to have to definitely think about these kinds of things better. But then again, he's just kind of a corporate career politician. So yeah, this is, is what exactly. we should expect. Yeah. You know, this kind of reminded me, but he was a little more respectful to uh, uh, Jenny than he was. but. There was a moment in 2020 where the African American community, some in the African American community in South Bend were unhappy. And he was at a public event, it seemed like a rally or something. And he was asked by an African American woman, you know, what, you know, I'm not happy with you, I'm not voting for you. She was just really upset. And she said to him, I'm not voting for you. And I'm paraphrasing all of this, but people can look it up and get the exact, I'm not voting for you. And instead of him saying, you know, ma'am, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. You know, maybe we can have a sidebar after this again. I've been, I get it. As a public official, somebody has been elected to office. I get it. Sometimes people can take you there. Trust me, I get it. So I'm not saying this is somebody who has not experienced some of these scenarios. But she said, you look, hey, I ain't voting for you. And instead of him saying, ma'am, you know, let's talk about it. I, I understand. I hear you. Maybe we can get a pull aside afterwards. I would love to hear your concerns. This dude says to her, I ain't asking for you to vote for me. That's what he said to this woman. Yeah, now, he might have yeah. felt that. He might have been thinking that in his head. But you don't say that. And especially with the type of reputation that this dude had among many in the black community in that city. It wasn't good. It was not good at all, but that was his privilege speaking. I ain't asking you to vote for me. I mean, that seemed like, you know, you wanna take this to the streets. It is totally inappropriate. So he's continuing this behavior. So his gall and audacity for Mayor Pete to act in that matter, it, it just doesn't make sense. It is totally unacceptable for a public official and not to mention that he should have been on the ground for day one. See, sisters and brothers, family, friends, if the dude had been on the ground from day one or at least not day 18, he ain't even on the ground, but talking about going there 18 days later, then he they would have to find something else to ask him. But since he made it very easy for, for them to ask him, hey, where you been? He made this easy for them by having a cavalier attitude about the suffering and the pain of the people in these communities, whether it's Pennsylvania or Ohio. He too haughty about it. He too cool, calm and collected about other people suffering, and that indeed is the problem. Look, that reporter could have been rougher, she wasn't. Oh yeah, yeah. But he couldn't handle that, so he he definitely ain't gonna be able to handle it. And you're right, Jackson, this was payback for dropping out of the race. We have said this on on Boss ad nauseum. These are the facts, some neoliberals might not like it. And guess what, yeah, absolutely, he is angling to run again. There's no doubt about it, but 
Woo, this stuff is going to come back up when he oh, does yeah. jump in. And 100%. on top of, of it all, though, Jackson, what really got me is he has to take her 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 picture. And that is in, inappropriate and is dangerous. It was pretty, it, it was it was intimidating too. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Just the position he's in. Because if you're in any position like that, then, you know, you have the ability to mess up people's lives rather easily. That's exactly right. You just feel like it. Um, That's it. But, you know, I, I think that um, whether it's East Palestine or any, any situation like this for the position that Pete's in, um, this is literally what his job is. He's supposed to be on it. He's supposed to be very loud and vocal about it. And yeah. so, again, it's interesting for people who want to run for president. It's like, you're, you're just really not going about this the right way at all. So No, <laughs> and he couldn't handle the pressure here. You couldn't handle uh, 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 Jenny from the Daily Caller. You think yeah. you're going to be able to handle the pressure? Hell, he can't even handle the pressures of being the transportation secretary because clearly he is in over his head. But it does seem like the public pressure is getting to him in other ways. Put up this headline, Buttigieg pressured into promising to do his job finally. And again, all shout outs go to the lever for really getting this roller coaster ride started in terms of accountability and pounding and pounding and pounding. And I will also give credit to other independent media outlets. Unbossed is one, TYT is one, you know, just really putting it out there. But the lever continued. After pretending to be powerless, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg is now taking, talking tough and promising new railroad safety rules. Now, talking tough, we're gonna see if he's gonna follow through with any of this because it took him long enough to get to this position and too long. He was dragging his feet on this. Knowing that some of what has happened in these respective communities will have lifelong implications, the man was just too cavalier. He had a callous indifference to their suffering. He really did. And, you know, because of this, well, I'm gonna put that in the parking lot. You know, Jackson, we all know, everybody knows that former President Donald J. Trump made his presence known in East Palestine, Ohio today. Take a look at this. So he's getting out of the car and all of that kind of stuff. You see the president. Now, basically, he coming home. And you might ask me why am I saying that? I'm saying that because he won over 70% of the vote. Or he getting on his plane, rather, I should say, to get there. He won over 70% of the vote in East Palestine. So when he gets there, hey, he coming home. He going home. That is really what he is doing. He's boarding his plane. And his son, Don, Lil Donnie Jr., spoke about his dad's trip. Take a look. What's going on, guys? Uh, I guess since Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden, the Democrat Party, and basically most of Washington, D.C. refuses to do their actual job, uh, someone's got to step up and actually fill that void. So we are now boarded uh, Trump Force One. Waiting for the big guy, not the 10% big guy, just my big guy. We're going to be heading over there, speaking to the people, hopefully force uh, the people in government to finally act. Because if our leaders refuse to step up, someone's got to step up and actually fill that void and lead. So I'm glad my father's that guy. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Looking forward to seeing uh, what's going on. And again, looking forward just to being part of you know, forcing people into action. Now, you know what, there is really nothing exciting about this little Donnie. But Jackson, when, y'all put Jackson up next to me, when things start to happen, what Don Jr. just said is gonna be a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
because the Democratic Party failed to act with the sense of urgency to deal with these people suffering. And so now President Donald J. Trump gets to fly on in there, Trump Force One, as his son said, and pretend like he's the hero and the savior. But meanwhile, back in his White House, he helped crush you know, the regulations. But he ain't gonna tell them people none of that. He's just gonna go in there and, and tell them that the Democrats are failing you. They don't, they hate you. He's gonna use race, because that's what they use in these white supremacist types are using this. And 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 what Don Jr. is saying is gonna come true because the Democrats gave him an opening. Well, you know, like we were talking about uh, before the show started, one of the most important things you pointed out about Donald Trump is how uh, rather spectacular of a showman he is. Yeah. And because he really not just like he doesn't really feel shame about anything, but he has the least to lose out of everybody in the field going into this race. And I think that people who, I think a lot of people are just underestimating him, at least especially within the Republican primary, because from what I've seen thus far, it's really looking like Republicans are gonna kiss his behind and hand him the nomination. And I say that because Nikki Haley announced her campaign. One, she's a woman in the Republican Party, so that's already gonna kill it. But even outside of that, she made sure to mention on Sean Hannity that she's not gonna kick sideways. She's only gonna focus on Joe Biden in the White House, but she hasn't won the nomination yet, so that doesn't make any sense. Ron DeSantis has yet to run a presidential campaign whatsoever, so he has to really come out hard swinging. But Ron DeSantis' campaign, or rather career, is still rather fresh. He's still young. He has much more to lose than Donald Trump. Donald Trump really made his career in a lot of ways. And then Mike Pence was just on CNBC for five and a half minutes giving an interview saying, we need to cut Social Security and Medicare. And as that continues to happen, that's going to shuffle people to Donald Trump because we can't forget that he is now unbanned from Twitter. He's gonna start tweeting. He is going to be on a marketing, just bomb everyone with marketing even more than we've ever seen. And what are the Republicans really gonna do about it? So I yeah. think that uh, his showmanship is really uh, gonna be his strongest asset in the 2024 Republican primaries. Absolutely, Jay, I agree with you. And Donald Trump is a street fighter and yeah. none of them are really ready for what this man is going to unleash. I mean, we did get a preview in 2016. He's just gonna double and quadruple down on what he does best. You know that skill set that he does best, but the, the unfortunate thing about that skill set is he uses it in such nefarious ways. When he was president of the United States of America, he had the opportunity to check the rail industry, but he did none of that. He lightened up on the rules, uh, brothers and sisters, family and friends in East Palestine. Now I want you to hear this. Now I know the man came down there, and unfortunately the Democrats uh, didn't come. The president of the United States did not come. The secretary said he'd get there when he get there, and that's unfortunate. But don't fall for the okie doke, okay? Do not fall for the banana in the tailpipe, in the tailpipe of Trump Force One. All right, now on boss, we call them all out, Republicans and Democrats, when they ain't standing up for the people. And in this case, Donald J. Trump, the former president of the United States of America, is selling y'all a bag of goods. So don't, please, don't fall for the banana in this man's tailpipe of Trump Force One. Don't do it. And for the love of God, don't listen to Donnie Jr. Don't listen to little Donald, because he definitely don't know what the hell he doing. So you guys know that I was there yesterday on the ground in East Palestine, and I spoke with residents, including John Russell, who said this about Trump's visit. Take a look at this. One of the really bad things about the president coming here is in the residents here. I mean, we're, we're standing in a county right now that gave 79% of the vote to, to Donald Trump in the election. 
But when I showed up to the town hall, uh, which Norfolk Southern canceled on, did not come to. Cowards. That's correct. Uh, I talked to a lot of residents, some who openly admitted and and said, you know, I support the former president. But they had a lot of rage at this company, as they should, I think. Yeah, they should have a lot of rage. There's no doubt about it. And really what these people are doing, he is asking. Uh, These people are asking for some help. They want somebody to help them. And so nature abhors a vacuum. That's just what it is. And it could be Donald J. Trump or Satan himself or herself. Anybody that's gonna fill that void, that's who people are gonna lean on, especially when they are under this type of pressure. You heard from the residents, you've read some of the articles. We've been reporting on this for quite some time. And I saw with my own eyes and I felt the pressure that people were feeling. I was able to come in and come out. Imagine people who have to live there every single day. And you know, my stunt double has been very active. She's talked about this. And the one thing that I've been outspoken about the two years the Biden administration had to fix these problems. They could have fixed this before the rail workers actually warned them that this would happen. And the Trump administration is at fault, as is the Obama administration. So over all those administrations, the Ohio GOP is to blame as well. So ain't nobody got clean hands. Failure at every level of government and multiple administrations led to this moment that we are in right now. It is totally, totally ridiculous. So we will definitely hold on to this story. We're gonna keep reporting it. And uh, I'm just really just not happy about this. And none of us should be happy about what what is going on in East Palestine and also in the Western parts of Pennsylvania. Now, speaking of President Donald J. Trump, let the presidential games begin. Limits for Congress. and mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over 75 years old. I know this chick didn't come with the ageism. Cause see, there are only two choices in life. Now I want somebody to straighten me out if I'm wrong, but it's either to die young or live to be seasoned and then extra seasoned. I mean, I'm the only two choices. Cause ain't nobody getting out of here alive. Nature gonna take its course. So I'm not quite sure why she made that comment because she wouldn't want somebody to make a comment about her gender. But there she is being an ageist. Now, sisters and brothers, we talk about racism, we talk about sexism, we need to talk about ageism because today's five-year-old is tomorrow's 50-year-old or 70-year-old if they blessed to live long enough. See, we need to understand that those are the things that we all got in common as human beings. And it doesn't matter how poor you are, how wealthy you are, okay? Either you die young, or you get seasoned and extra seasoned. See, it's crispy and extra crispy. Those are the choices. I mean, Jackson, am I right or am I wrong about that? Well, you know, I'm 31 years old now. I'm still, I'm not quite crispy yet. You know, what no, I'm you saying? ain't crispy, but, but, but you know what I mean. But, I mean yeah, but but what I, well, I was saying that to say that yeah. I've lived long enough to have some life to look back on. And so mm. I understand that you know getting older is a beautiful thing, especially if you're able to take care of yourself. You know, if if you're able to stay relatively healthy. You know, yeah. what you're able to learn, what you're able to experience, and then therefore what you're able to give back to the rest of humanity can only yeah. come if you, you know, get crispy and then uh, hopefully then, extra, then extra crispy. crispy. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, the nerve crispy. of her. Just the nerve. <laughs> well, know, well. It's all up in arms with, with, you know, Don Lemon said the other day, and then this chick sit up here and, and, and make some ageist comments. 
Well, what's funny to me is it's like that's literally is 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 hardcore as her criticism of Donald Trump is going to go because she'll be able to say like, oh, no, I'm talking about Joe Biden, but obviously, you know, Biden oh, and yeah. Trump are basically no, the same right. age. But it's like hey. you know, it's like, hey, but hey, you know. His UN, because I'm all right, she was his UN secretary. She said she wasn't going to run if he ran, but I guess she changed her mind. So what yep. you just heard was the newly announced Republican contender Nikki Haley announcing her 2024 campaign, also calling for term limits on Congress and the cognitive test for politicians over 75. Now this is causing a bit of drama because as Jackson and I just explained, Donald J. Trump is a brawler, a street He's a brawler. So the remarks are an undeniable strike against her only declared opponent, 76 year old, extra crispy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I'm, all not, right. I'm never going to get this out of my head now. You definitely, you just put new vernacular in my brain. New vernacular. Yeah, I mean, you know my, my main point is like, <laughs> die young or become season or extra season, crispy, yeah. extra crispy. But Nikki, Nikki doubled down and added, we're ready, ready to move past the stale ideas and the faded names of the past. And we are more than ready for a new generation to lead us into the future. America is not past our prime, it's just our politicians are past theirs. Again, Nikki Haley said that. Now, they, again, they jumped all over Don Lemon. Right, you, you, you see this? Now, I'm not even saying that I agree with, with Don on that because measuring a woman's prime based on whether or not she can still uh, produce a child, you know, that's offensive as hell. But this chick gets to talk about prime on the ageist side. Ain't nobody saying nothing, calling her out and trying to cancel her behind. We got all kinds of different types of rules. But anyway, let me move on past that. Now the fight has begun. Let's put up what President Donald J. Trump had to say. Anybody running for the office of President of the United States should agree to take a full and complete mental competency test simultaneously or before with the announcement that he or she is running. And likewise, but to a somewhat lesser extent, agree to a test which would prove that you are physically capable of doing the job. Being an outstanding president requires great mental acuity and physical stamina. If you don't have these qualities or traits, it is likely you won't succeed. MAGA exclamation point. <laughs> he let no. Hey Jackson, he's like, oh, you wanna, oh, you wanna play games? Okay, we're gonna play some games. Showmanship. Showmanship, like you said. You know, that's, that's exactly what it is. See, if anybody do anything, here he comes. And as long as people are watching him, that's gonna carry people that's to the vote. Because what you say, he a megalomaniac, he, he's a narcissist. I mean, this is it's feeding into him. She can't handle this. Mm -hmm. But this isn't the first time that Trump has gone after Nikki, but this time Nikki went after him. So let me just put that out there. Even before she threw her hat into the 2024 uh, Republican primary, let's take a look at this from President Donald J. Trump. The greatest thing Nikki Haley did for our country and the great state of South Carolina was accepting the position of United Nations ambassador so that the incredible then Lieutenant Governor Henry McMasters could be governor of South Carolina, where he has done an absolutely fantastic job. That was a big reason why I appointed Nikki to the position. It was a favor to the people I love in South Carolina. And oh man. You got to go. Boo, you got you gone. You're out of here. And what is Ron DeSantis gonna do with that? Like, come Nothing. on, come on, man. What is Ron ready. DeSantis gonna do with that? Nothing. He's exactly. gonna look, he, he's gonna look like he's not that guy. That's what he's gonna look like. Oh yeah, the sanctimonious is gonna get creamed. Yeah. Put up this from from the president, former president Nikki Haley had a hard time making the decision to run for president. I can't. 
<laughs> because she very publicly stated that she would never run against the president. He did a great job and was the best president in my lifetime. So he quoting the chick. I told Nikki to follow her heart, follow your heart, boo. Not her ambition or belief. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. She's polling at one percent. And wait till he starts doing this on Twitter. <laughs> like wait till he starts doing this on Twitter. There's not like he's absolutely coming back to it. And and it, man, and two, I really think that he's gonna be even more just like so what than ever before. Because I mean, he's never gonna run for president again no. after, after and this. And Jackson, you are right. I mean, the way you he has nothing to lose. Nothing. So when you going up against a man or a woman who has nothing to lose, baby. And this is what this man does for sport. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. she ain't ready. They ain't ready. <laughs> I mean, they just ain't ready. They ain't ready for him. Oh, yeah, let the games begin. We are definitely going to stay with this. Nikki, you opened this Pandora box, baby. You wanted it and you got it. And let me give you a word of advice. And this is advice to anybody, okay? Your 20 year old, your 30, 40, 50 is tomorrow's 80 and 90 year old if you're blessed to live long enough. So one of the isms none of us should be dipping into is the ageism category. Nikki, don't do it. Cause because you did it and then you want to talk about sexism, you can't you can't have it both ways. Don't mess with the extra crispy folks. Leave them alone. Cause hopefully one day you'll be extra crispy too. All right, on to the continuing civil war within the Republican Party. Hannity is on board with that woman, Marjorie Telegreen, that chick, when it comes to a national divorce. Take a look. For a national divorce, after facing backlash from Democrats and some Republicans, Green followed up with a detailed thread explaining why she thinks this is a good idea. Green is saying that a national divorce would empower individual states to form a smaller government, reduce the federal debt. And the Congresswoman has another idea as well, banning people who move from blue states to red states from voting for five years so they don't bring their bad politics with them. I actually favor that idea. Lord, have mercy on all my souls. Okay, because I got more than one. We have been down this road before, America. We ain't trying to go back again. That was Sean Hannity just saying, hey, he agreed with her about separating the union. It was tried before, it was called the Civil War. And as a reminder, here's a tweet from this woman. Let's put it up. We need a national divorce. We need to separate by red and blue states and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this, she ain't talking to enough people. Uh, from the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throats to the Democrats treacherous America's last policies, we are done. And do you know who else argued for states rights? Oh, That's right. The flipping Confederacy. Can we put the Confederate flag up? And they lost. So why are we? Why is this chick trying to take us back down a horrible, horrible, horrible? And can I just say horrible one more good time? Memory lane in this country. Oh yeah, the Confederacy. Argue this very, very point. Jackson, I know we got to wrap this up, but I just feel like people like her and Hannity have really lost their ever-loving minds. Well, and we can't forget that this type of rhetoric actually leads to uh, policy implementation. I mean, just look at all the uh, hatred rhetoric towards the transgender community and yeah. how that's led to many red states looking to be like, we're going to ban drag shows and, and things like that. And the reversal of Roe v. Wade um, based on decades of rhetoric when Roe v. Wade was put into place. So, uh, you know, these types of things definitely have consequences, uh, at least 
um, in radicalizing enough of the nation to keep this nation destabilized. Yeah, I mean, she really playing and tapping into fears and all kinds of delusions in this country about race in some of the worst ways ever. And she knows exactly what she's doing. Hannity knows exactly what he is doing. It's stoking fear, stoking flames, very similar to the environment this country was in at the dawn of the, at the beginning, the dawn of the the Civil War in this country. Trying to make it seem like so many people, like white people, are being put upon in this country, red states, and knowing that good and dead gone well that the Republican Party will not do anything to stand up for any working class person or any poor person, be they black or white or Hispanic or any other race and ethnicity in this country. They don't give a damn. Working class people from all backgrounds need to unite. Hannity and Marjorie Taylor Greene are made for one another. But please, America, Georgia, please. Okay, you're gonna have another opportunity. Y'all need to go and send this woman on home because she should not be in the House of Representatives trying to take us back in time, siding with the damn Confederacy. Anyway, that's that's your girl, Georgia. Y'all need to come and get her. We'll, we'll be right back after this. And welcome back to the show. So glad you are here. And I am on to my favorite, favorite part. Starting with TYT members, Biden flavor corn pop. Hey, Biden flavor corn pop, you know I love your handle so much. I am so angry about this train disaster. And the execs are so unrepentant, unwilling to help the humanity. You are so right about that. They they unrepented, they not gonna repent. And they're gonna get a slap on the wrist. It, it will be definitely the cost of doing business if we don't keep the pressure up on these people. Norfolk sell they they should bounce. Okay, the company should bounce so that they never do anything like this to any other community. On Twitch, Overseer Dixon. Hey, Overseer Dixon. Oh, Jackson and Nina, not on laundry day. <laughs> oh, I wish Jackson was still here to hear this. Can't wait to see what awaits us today. Thank you, Overseer Dixon. And MIWA. Nina, I am so glad that you are speaking loudly and openly about East Palestine because as someone affected by it, oh, thank you. I am struggling not to cry because it's so stressful. Oh my God, well, thank you for sharing that with us and you daggone right on this show. We will continue to highlight this. I was there yesterday, I'm gonna be bringing John Russell who was my guide. Uh, he'll be up next. We were there and uh, we're going to continue to talk about this story and continue to lift. And it is not just a prayer, but we're going to continue to put as much pressure as we can to get you and the other residents of East Palestine the help that you need and you deserve both in the long, short term and the long term. Because there are short term remedies and there are long term remedies that go well beyond 10 or 20 years from now. You bet your bottom dollar that. But thank you so much for watching. And YouTube Super Chat, Snack Panther, hey, Snack Panther, Turner and White, not a cop show, but sounds like it, <laughs> LOL. Love y'all, have a great show. Oh, I love that so very much. And Hoover, Transportation Secretary, hey, Hoover, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, tra- transporting from one failure to another. You got that right, Hoover. <laughs> you summed that all the way up. Oh my goodness, so you know, guys, I haven't done a bone in a very, very long time. So let me get this bone in today. This is going to be about the one and only civil rights leader and fighter for the people, Ella Baker. Take a look at this. 
friends, brothers, and sisters in the struggle for human dignity and freedom. I am here to represent the struggle that has gone on for 300 or more years, a struggle to be recognized as citizens in a country in which we were born. I have had about 40 or 50 years of struggle, ever since a little boy on the streets of Norfolk called me a nigger. I struck him back. Yeah, she struck him back. She said every since, you know, called her the, the N-word. You heard it. We tried to bleep it a little bit, but that was the reality for many blacks, far too many blacks, most blacks of Ella Baker's generation. Her grandmother was a slave and had been whipped for refusing to marry the man that her slave owner wanted her to marry, her enslaved grandmother. This woman comes from a long line, Ella Baker, of fighters, and she was very prominent in the movement, believing that strong people don't need just one leader. She it was a big proponent of organizing. Take a look at this. It takes the willingness to stand by and do what has to be done when it has to be done. Doing what needs to be done when it has to be done. Organization, organization. And let's put up this quote from Ella Baker. Remember, we are not fighting for freedom of the Negro alone, but for the freedom of human, of the human spirit. A larger freedom that encompasses all mankind. Ella Baker, civil rights leader, freedom fighter, and an organizer in all of her glory. We will revisit her again. I had to go quickly through that, but man, I love me some Ella Baker and all the true freedom fighters of that generation. Really, really do. And you know what? She attended. Uh, at Shaw University in Raleigh, North Carolina. She was born on December 13th in 1903. She actually died on December 13th as well. Can you imagine that? She stood up, she helped young people. She really did believe in the power of young people to organize. And again, she, not believe, she did not believe in big eyes and little youth. And she made that very known. Her and Fannie Lou Hamer actually worked together too in this movement. Some really, really incredible women who made some great sacrifices. So love, love, love Ella Baker and her spirit. And we need to talk about her a lot more. If you are just being introduced to Ella Baker, I encourage you to dig a little deeper and look at all the great work that she did during the civil rights movement. Speaking of movements, we got a movement afoot right now all over this country of workers and poor people coming together. And we have a movement right here in Ohio, people standing up and speaking out about what is happening, particularly in East Palestine. Take a look at this. The last time that I was here, I talked uh, with a woman who was probably um, you know, mid 50s raising a grandchild uh, less than a half a mile away from the crash. Yeah. Who told me she was making $13.50 an hour. Um, and that is not uncommon. I have with me that gentleman who, as I said, was my guy 
East Palestine, Ohio yesterday, and that's none other than activist, writer, social media, journalist himself, John Russell. John, how are you today? I'm doing well, Senator Turner. We're coming live from the McDonald's in East Palestine where we're doing a little coverage today. Yeah, that's your satellite office, that McDonald's. That's the satellite office, yep. <laughs> I totally understand. And like my best to Jess too. I don't know if she's sitting next to you, but I just want right to thank across you. She says hi. Across from you. I just want to thank you and Jess so much for being our guide uh, yesterday. I know that it was an emotional. You've been covering this from the beginning. You grew up not far from East Palestine. So this is very much a part of your greater community. And it was such an honor to be there with you and to get a chance to vibe a little bit and, and be on the ground to feel in real time and not just read about or watch on television what was happening to the people in your community. Now I want to start off with something that is not directly related, but maybe indirectly related. You were wearing a jacket yesterday, a jean jacket, IBE. W jacket, I think. Uh, is there anything significant about that jacket? I know unions. I mean, that's what came to mind at first, but tell us. Of course, uh, I was in IBEW Union as a member of the Warren campaign. Uh, the Warren and Sanders campaign were uh, two of the ones that were leading the way of unionizing campaign workers. And uh, this jacket's also a nice way to say to the folks uh, here where I grew up and where we're covering. Um, that uh, what what side we're on because that's what it is about. It's about which side you are on, and that's really the uh, central issue in East Palestine. Yeah, it is. What side you're on? I remember when the lady, one of the ladies, asked me, "Well, what are you?" She meant in terms of my political affiliation. And when I said Democrat, she was not really happy, even though you know she didn't. She was cool about it, but she I could tell her whole energy. Changed, and when I told her I ain't one of those, I'm one of these. I'm somebody that believes mm -hmm. in working people all over this country, don't matter their political affiliation. And and it really hurts me, John, to my core because you got a lot of neoliberal types judging the people of East Palestine, even to go as far as saying they deserve what they got because of who they vote for. You laid out that over 70% of the voters there did vote for the Republican, but I think it is a repulsive for anybody. I don't care who the hell. They are for anybody to say that any group of people deserves tragedy because of their decision to be free thinkers, you know, to have choice. Because that's what we say we believe in the United States of America, unless you ain't making the choice I want you to make. But it is repugnant for anybody to say that a certain group of people get what they deserve just because of who they voted for. But speaking of voting for President Donald J. Trump, he was there today. Tell us what happened. Uh, well, yeah, in this very McDonald's, he was here. Um, and you know what happened was uh, not a lot. He came here, uh, it was exciting. Um, but ultimately, uh, did he help out a situation here? No. It's about holding Norfolk Southern accountable, it's about standing up for working class communities. And when Donald Trump comes here, uh, he is helping working class people in name only. I mean, this is. Um, Kind of a dog and pony show that he's been able to do, but in terms of holding the most powerful powerful people's feet to the fire, I have yet to see that from the former yeah. president. And it was under his watch that the rules were softened for the rail industry, even though on that point, John, there's a lot of talk, and I know we don't have much time, but we're going to have you on over and over again to give us updates. But there, you know, people are focusing in on the brakes, and rightfully so. We know that these rail, uh, the railroads. <laughs> The trains are using braking systems from the Civil War. But you have another thought about what may be part of the problem here. And it's not just the braking system. 
Yeah, I wanna make sure that people know to focus not only on the braking system and the classification of hazardous chemicals on these trains. Had those regulations been in place, this was much, uh, would have been likely less bad than it was. But I do a lot of reporting, talking to rail workers directly. And uh, I think that's a secondary concern. What we should really focus on here is the corporate practice a precision scheduled railroad that's been adopted by every major carrier. This is a practice that cuts the important things to save money. Less uh, staff, training, maintenance, inspections, uh, longer trains, less downtime. This is the practice. Now what happened on this derailment? It appears that a wheel bearing overheated and caught fire and derailed this train. Uh, and I think there's a direct connection. We'll find out in the NTSB report for sure. Um, to this wheel bearing failing catastrophically um, and to the uh, cuts to maintenance time and inspection time on rail cars uh, that might have caught this and prevented this. Um, to explode profit as much as possible, these companies have forced workers to cut the inspection time on cars from three minutes to 90 seconds. They've cut the staff uh, that monitors problems as they occur on trains down so that one person might be doing the work of five people monitoring more trains over more territory. The corporate profit seeking practice here practices here have to be the focus for the apparent wheel bearing that failed that derailed this train. I think it's got to be squarely on extreme profiteering and the price that we pay for all of that. Yeah, thank you so much for that, John. We are going to have you back, folks. You heard it here on Unbossed. John Russell and to Jess, thank you so much for hosting Unbossed in East Palestine yesterday. And we're gonna stay in touch with you and have you come back and give us updates. And that is our time today on Unbossed. This was a rip roaring show. And guess what? I didn't even have to bring out the fire extinguisher today. I kept cool, calm, and collected for the most part. I wanna thank you all for your support of this show and just and the support of our network. Now, you know what I want you to do about this time? I want you to keep the faith always, no matter what is going on, and also keep the fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.